Hey, you want a drink or something before we record? Um, yeah, can I just get like a Jack and Coke? Sorry, I can't hear you. It's really loud in here. Jack and Coke? Okay, um, let me see if I can get us a drink. You know what? Fuck it. Let's record. Hi, everybody. Kylie here. Hello, everybody. And I'm Dallas. And you are Chaos and Cusswords. Yes, the hyper-focused episode, guys. And we're hoping that you like these ones, and especially this topic, because it was we're super interested in it. So, Yeah, we're going to be covering Sins of My Mother. By, um, it's on Netflix, the documentary on Lori Vallow. I mean, she it was very, very, you know, I feel like in our face, especially with it happening in our own state, so... Oh, yeah, most definitely. Honestly, when I watched Sense of Our Mother, I didn't realize how mainstream it was just because I had been following, like, all of our news sources, like KTVB mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it was just in, a, in my face that way, but it wasn't – I didn't realize how mainstream it made it until the, uh, until the documentary. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty – Crazy. So do you just want to go episode by episode and kind of break it down? Yeah, let's do it. So, um, like, right away, they, like, dive into, like, her, like, growing up in the LDS religion, right? I feel like that was one of the first things that popped out. Um, and you had sent me that podcast, or that, not podcast, the TikTok about spiritual narcissists last night. Uh-huh. And it was like, uh, yeah, I feel like from the beginning, that's like very, very um, prominent and very obvious. Yeah. And I think when, obviously, when we talk about like the Mormon religion, LDS, um, and whatever they were a part of, I, I can't remember the specific name. Maybe you have it in your notes. I'm going by memory, guys, which is not the greatest thing because my memory is shit. But, yeah, they are two different things. And a lot of people within that religion really did not appreciate what they were doing. Like, I saw it a Mm. lot on a couple of my Facebook groups that I follow. Like, My Favorite Murder or, like, Morbid kind of a thing. They're talking about, like, I'm an ex-Mormon and these people are, you know, a bit out there. Totally, and she definitely took it to an extreme, but even in the beginning of episode one, I'm going to bring in um, Jeanette McCurdy in this one, too, because there's a lot of similarities there. Their impulsive thoughts were explained away by their religion. Same with, you know, it was very both similar cases of Jeanette's and more OCD, but hers were any impulsive thought Lori has, it was, you know, the Holy Spirit talking to her. Yeah. And I, and I just wanted to bring that up because I think, I think it's very interesting because I think without that explanation, maybe a diagnosis or a mental health issue would have came up sooner. Uh-huh. And, and even her parents were like, she was, you know, very out there. I was having these, these ideas, but, you know, she's very religious, very spiritual. And, you know, we just thought it was the Holy Spirit talking to her when she was being impulsive and having all of these behaviors. And that was something really interesting to me that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, most definitely. And I think because even though I'm not ex-Mormon, never have been, I've been to church a couple of times with my Mormon friends and whatnot since being on that side of TikTok and also just like reflecting on my experience growing up in a small town where Mormonism was the second largest religion. I think for 
a lot of people who grew up in that religion, that is something that really um, having those thoughts and equating them to God speaking to you or the Holy Spirit, you realize that you are called to do, you know, X, Y, Z, go on a mission, marry this person. They don't recognize that not every thought that comes across your mind is could be potentially something bigger. I don't know. I don't want to necessarily diss that religion in particular. Totally. And I think that there are valid times where, you know, I, I believe that everyone has the religion. I believe your thoughts. And there are times where some, you know, maybe I do believe that that happens and that it is valid. And I just think that it's interesting in these two cases back to back that I've been going over and reading that um, mental illness has been mistaken for it. Um, it's just all a very interesting topic and something to think about. But no, I do think that there is some, there is very valid things with, you know, being spiritual and being religious and thinking that God is guiding you. I, I think that is great and wonderful, but I think that there, there's a fine line. We walk there when someone may need, you know, mental health intervention. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's pretty much the point that I was trying to get at. There's a very fine line and sometimes it's, not necessarily addressed properly. <laughs> yeah. And no, no, totally. And and then we go on through her life and she definitely is making some pretty irrational. Like she's on to her third husband at this point in this like pretty quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. And she already has Colby. And, you know, it almost seemed like her fairy tale had came true, right? With this man. Mm-hmm. With Charles, her- right? No, not Charles. Her third one. The, the abusive one. I don't think I wrote his name down. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought that Charles was the third one. I'm sorry. That's what, I was, that's what I'm meaning by, like, she had, like, really erratic, like, almost irrational behavior to be on your third husband. Like, that's a huge red flag right there. And I almost feel like she felt like her life was coming to a point where she was content and happy. Mm-hmm. And everyone around her explained it as, like, a fairy tale moment. Yeah. And then when everything started kind of blowing up with that, with the uh, abuse and whatnot, it just, I think that it kind of really altered her perception in a way about relationships in general. Yeah, I actually wrote down a quote she put. She said, I'm either going to turn my life to the temple or I'm going to commit murder. Oof. Yeah. I mean, so I guess two steps back. Colby, her oldest son, came forward that the husband was sexually abusing him. And it looks like that it came out that he was also physically abusing Colby and also physically abusing Lori. Mm-hmm. And then, but once Colby came out that he was sexually abused, that's when she had sent the quote that she was going to turn her life to the temple or she was going to commit murder. Yeah, that I don't think that that's pretty uh, accepted in the religion. I don't know for sure, but that doesn't... No doesn't sound good (laughs) i mean we're both mothers of nine-year-old boys we can relate to the like anger there for sure oh yeah for sure i think i mean i don't think that they ever mentioned anything about it either but i don't think that she ever went and saw counseling or anything no i think she just religion was her way through it oh okay I think that it got, that's how it got to such an unhealthy point because she had no other coping mechanism. Right. And she didn't have anyone to not only come from like an educated perspective with processing trauma like that, 
as well as how to build their life afterwards, moving forward with her thoughts. And yeah, that's, that's rough. I mean, it was clearly drawn out. I don't know if you got the same way to me that she was this person with the irrational tendencies, not super stable. It seems like going through a cycle of men is like be her stability. And I think she was just walking a very thin line. And then this is just kind of broke her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think when she did find Charles, I think Colby said it best. That was one of the things that he pointed out when she met Charles Vallow. He provided not only like financial security, but he provided the stability of being that type of solid father figure for Colby and Tylee. Yeah, for sure. And before we go on to that point, I also wrote down that Alex, even early in life, her brother was that guy for her because he got a felony against her third husband. Felony assault. He took a stun gun to his private. Oh, shit. Uh, (laughs) I think I missed that. It it came on as his comedy routine. He was on stage. Oh. He he made light of the situation, but I just feel like that right there documented, you know, their behaviors towards each other and how he was almost her savior in a lot of ways. I thought that was interesting. It started early, you know, in life. That's really interesting, too. Like, it's enmeshment. That's what it is. They are so enmeshed enmeshed with each other's lives that they go that far. I said it was very odd he put it in his comedy routine. I mean, dark humor, I get it, but not when you're, like, assaulting someone (laughs) to the point where really injuring them. But, okay, do you, boo. Uh, His actual joke was, I thought I was going to get a parade for assaulting a pedophile instead I got a felony. And there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, just a bit. In my eyes, I know that the legal system is not the greatest when it comes to getting justice, especially for that crime in particular, you know, like child sexual assault. But they get what's coming to them in prison. I know that, at least on the like one of the lowest rungs of the social hierarchy there so Mm. i mean that's Mm. just my thing no forethought (laughs) yeah it's a lot to unpack and you know and like you said it's very justifiable that that was her breaking point because that is extreme trauma for your child to go through something like that at the hands of somebody who was your fairy tale who was saving you who was this man that you thought was you're going to be for the rest of your life Uh oh yep Exactly. Um, but then the story moved forward and they, they um, end up adopting JJ in 2013. Her and Charles, her fourth hus- husband. Yes. It was Charles' great nephew. Oh, okay. Gotcha. His sister and her husband were raising JJ. They were the grandparents. They were getting too old and they wanted somebody a little bit younger. And Charles and Lori ended up adopting him. Yeah. And he was diagnosed with autism. I think that's a good thing to note later on when they start talking about his behaviors. He he was autistic. Yeah. Then Spirit tells her it's time for them to move to Kauai. Okay. Yeah. I don't know Um, know if there's a lot to unpack there, I guess. I think with the whole Kauai trip, what I found worth speaking of is when she, her friend in Kauai talked about how she talked about Charles. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't her spiritual equal. Like, he's not who she should be with. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was a 
thing, but it also makes sense too. You know, if we're talking about people who are super committed to being in the religion, especially a high demands religion, then that that makes sense. I just thought it was a point where she starts taking a turn because then they move back and she begins to start her podcast. Yes. Yeah, most um. definitely. Because I think that um, when she came back onto the mainland, that's when it just really started ramping up. So when she, they came back from Kauai, she started her podcast, which was based around, we've tried to Google it, we can't find a specific name. I just kept seeing uh, the term preparing people or preparing for the people something but it, uh-huh. it's ultimately just an extremist view based off of the L- the lds religion is what they were they were yeah they weren't with the lds they were far more extreme but this podcast got really bizarre and i also wanted to add she was extremely talk a toxic mother-in-law to kelsey like at their wedding, they didn't allow Tylee to go to their wedding. And she they said she was on a trip, so I have no picture of Tylee at the wedding. She didn't want Colby and her together. And yeah, it was just she was very bizarre with Kelsey too, like very jealous of that relationship. That honestly makes a lot of sense. And this is kind of off topic from the documentary, but One of the podcasts that I deep dived into this was actually the Dateline podcast. And one of the things that they brought up was emotional incest between Lori and Colby because she relied on him for a lot of like the changes that happened in her life when it came to the marriages. So that makes a lot of sense in that dynamic, why she was super jealous of Kelsey, because that meant that Kelsey was taking her baby Totally, and I, I thought it, it was like a very like skimmed by thing, but I, I wrote that note down because I agree. I think there's a lot to say about that, and a lot to say about her and Colby's relationship. Oh yeah, there's so much to say about that relationship. I don't. We probably could go off on another tangent on that entirely, but it's, it's not normal. Well, then her podcast leads her to an event where Chad Daybell is speaking and right away Chad tells her that they've been married multiple times in a past life and um I wanted to add that because the medium who comes on Mm -hmm. she definitely did not agree with the way that Chad used his quote unquote gifts whether what he says or you know he believes them to be true he definitely used them in a way to control situations Mm uh-huh And I don't even know if I necessarily, you know, I think that was right away a way to control her and to get her underneath his spell. Oh, absolutely. It's very manipulative to get her to buy into whatever he's doing, right? So then he can gain another follower. And in this case, Lori, who is a victim. Yeah, she was in you know, in previous relationships and whatnot. But she also hadn't been able to see Red Flag from the beginning. Yeah, it's very manipulative. Yeah, and a little bit about Mr. Chad. So he had a near-death experience cliff diving, and now he believes he can see into the future. And 
he 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 wrote books and he believed them to be scripture. He was ultimately trying to create a whole new religion where he was at the head of it. Um, and he believed there was going to be an apocalypse and that 144,000 would be the chosen ones. And he believed that Rexburg, Idaho was going to be the new like motherland. That's where they needed to be. And then, you know, apocalypse situations, God comes back and he runs, right? Or Jesus or whoever the religion, they believe that they will be coming back and running the world. No, Uh Chad, in his scripture says he would be that person, not Jesus, not the Lord. Yeah, it was very, very narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah, a ton of red flags. So like, first red flag, why the fuck Rexburg? Like, it is a podunk town. It really is. It, it's not saying that it's bad necessarily, but that's literally most of rural Idaho. Yeah. Like, hands down. If, you, if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, that's what most of rural Idaho is. He's like, no, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. And then like second off, all of a sudden he thinks that he can see things, which is fine. But after a near-death experience and being very specific about you know, the apocalypse, and he's going to be the one that's ruling the joint. Yeah, that's very cult leader. You know what I mean? Totally. And the medium, the other medium said something. She said, I believe that he is seeing these things. He said, she says, I believe I'm drawn by the light. I'm driven by the light, and he's driven by dark. Mm, Yeah. It was dark pushing him into, you know, creating these things and saying these things. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting because the story is nothing but dark, right? No good, is, no light has come from these beliefs. Oh yeah, absolutely, and nothing good came of his cult. Um, Lori just, you know, was eating out the palm of his hand. Believed mm-hmm. all of this. This finally found her spiritual equal. This is going to be the man that finally does save her, right? Mm-hmm. We got a pattern of behaviors, and here we are again. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, she's still married to Charles, but she believes that he has a demon inside of him and he's already dead. And she told people she's just waiting for the demon to die. And she came up with these elaborate stories. He's cheating, all this stuff. And Charles was like, she is out of her mind. She is crazy. Right. And the family just looked at it as him being manipulative and someone who got caught cheating. And so he was going to pin it on her. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that actually really stood out to me during that entire episode. I think we're in episode two now, right? Or are we no, in we're still in one. You're still in one. Okay, so that was one of the things that stood out to me in either episode one or two is that, you know, Colby and Kelsey said they got an email from Charles saying, like, she's saying this, she's saying this, this is what she's saying about everybody in our family i think it was like a family history thing but it was it was the ratings that chad did that chad believes he could rate someone that's what it was yeah and he rated anyone close to her as bad Mm -hmm. and i think colby said it he was like i thought that it was just a guilty person trying to place blame on someone else and it wasn't until, you know, the kids disappeared, Tylee and JJ, that they were like, oh, shit. Charles was right. Yeah, exactly. And it was so crazy. And then he was on a work trip and she moved his truck and stole everything out of it. And he couldn't find his kids. He couldn't reach his kids. And so he called the police and they believed everything she said. 
Yeah. I think they compared it. I think the documentary compared it to, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? That her siren call. Yeah. She just completely got out of the whole situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think for so many cops, the usual thing about the domestic issues and whatnot, it is typically women who, you know, are the victims and are painting the man as like the wrongdoer. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I get that they probably were leaning towards that narrative kind of a thing. But there were some huge red flags with what she was saying, too. And yeah, no one ever followed it up either. No, she went and got a psyche vow because they told her it'd be better if she did it herself and them having to get her. But they don't even know if the person that gave her the eval believed the same things as her because she got to choose who did it. She could have... A million things could have gone wrong when she got to pick the person to evaluate her. Whoa, 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 whoa. I forgot about that. She got to yeah. choose her evaluator? Well, they said it's better for you if you go get it done before we have to come get you and we force you to do one. So she went and got one done herself. Well, fuck, man. That's that's bad news bears there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly how that process went, but she came back all clear. So her family was like, okay, clearly what we thought was true, Charles was lying. Yeah. But someone with her tendencies and things like that, can easily play a psych evaluator for one psych evaluation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She, I, she, I think she's very manipulative. manipulative. Sorry. She knows what to say to not get put into a psych ward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it was just pretty slow going at first. So the psyche eval that she received then versus like the psyche eval that she received after she was arrested, you know, yeah, could have been way worse. Totally. And then they end they end this they end the first episode with Charles texting the oldest brother that Alex was there when she went he went to get JJ. And then they end episode one and then go into episode two with Charles getting shot by Alex. That whole situation. I don't know if you were sitting there like, what the fuck? Yeah, I was super taken aback by that whole thing everything about it like she heard the gunshot and still got in the car and drove away and took the kids to school yeah well not even to school like she went out and got shoes for herself and tylee too and tylee was still at the scene yeah tylee grabbed the bat and got in between charles and Lori. is was tylee's statement and then tylee said she went outside and just the way she got there when the cops, like, when she pulled up with the cops, like, that look on her, the smirk on her face. Yeah. Yeah, the smirk on her face was super disturbing. It was super disturbing. And another thing about the whole thing is she called Colby and told him it was a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. And then she also told Charles's sons that he just died. They didn't, she didn't really say anything else. And then like, the next... through a text message of all things, too. Yeah, and then the next day she called about the life insurance and found out that he had moved her off of it after he was she was threatening to kill him. Smart man. Yeah, so that was really weird. And then they just moved away. Like, the next week, they were just gone. They didn't tell Colby where they were moving. They told no one where they were moving. Mm-hmm. They just left. And 
Kobe was messaging his sister and realizing it wasn't her. Like, the texts weren't lining up to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think this is where the emails came through about Chad's ratings, that who was dark and who was light. And I, I did comment. I said it, everyone close to her, he rated dark because he's a narcissist. Yeah. He wanted he's... to remove her from everyone. Yeah, he's trying to isolate her from everybody and trying to make everyone evil in her eye. There's no gray. It's just black and white, good or bad. And then quickly we're seeing that there was an attempt on Tammy, Chad's ex-wife, but the guy, the gunman missed. And I think Tammy started getting weird feelings in her guts because Chad went and talked to the guy as he was like running away. And then Chad was telling people that he has visions of her um, dying in a car accident. Their plan cannot move forward until both spouses are dead. Yeah, that's not a good sign. And I think I should probably be a detective. Just kidding. <laughs> I had put in my notes before watching the last episode, this message he sent to Tammy is suspect in all caps. And then that's what the FBI used to find the bodies. Oh, yeah. And that was the day she died, too. That is super, super alarming. Everything about all of that. Yeah, I had a weird feeling the kids were on that property when I saw that message. And then JJ, Grandma, calls in for a welfare check at this point. And that's when they show up. And they're, at first, like, Chad and Larry, I think they don't even know each other. Like, it's just, Chad is just Alex's friend. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, all the suspicion. And then it was, oh, I, I actually do have her number. Hold on. And then they said, they just think there was no JJ in sight. And it's like, the first it was, oh, no, she's with her grandma. He's with her grandma. Well, that's funny because grandma's the one who made the, called the welfare check-in. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he's with a friend. At that point, as an investigator, I would have tried to lean in harder, honestly, because that's a huge red flag that a nine-year-old special needs child is not where he's supposed to be. They lied about the first location, and you know the two called in the welfare check. That'd be at the point where I'm like, all right, you ain't. No. I know. And I, I obviously, I don't know what their line of thinking was like the Rexburg police were thinking. I think that they were just trying to build a case against her at that point, which is fair. I'm just more so like, we got to protect the children. But at that point, we already know the story with what happened. I think that this comes back full circle. I don't know if you've deep dive into like funding the police more. I think there needs to be an educated, experienced someone with a psychology background social worker background on every scene in my opinion especially when it comes to the welfare check of a child oh Um, yeah yeah i think we need to up our funding and our training on that one even if we give the training to the police it needs to happen yeah Um, oh most definitely and i know that the couple of police departments that i've had interactions with professionally like they do receive those kind of trainings however i think that it it's not um, enough. And it's, it's not enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like I said, have someone have the funding to hire someone with a more um, with a more background in that area to mm-hmm. come on calls with the police. Um, 
And then, the, I'm, you know, very happy that the friend did do that recording before. You're like, friends don't do that. Why would you say he's with? Um, yeah. Because I think without that, they would have been even more lost. So thank God that friend mm-hmm. was like, nope. And I think that when she said, like, if you really, like, loved me as a friend, you wouldn't be putting this on me. You wouldn't be making me lie to the police about this. Like, yeah. good for her. And then, like, shortly the national search begins for the kids, right? They they begin that one. And I think that's when we all start seeing the news of the missing children. And then shortly after the search begins, Alex dies. The brother dies. He told his wife the night before he died that he thinks he's going to be their fall man. Damn. And then he dies. Of natural causes is what it said, but was it natural? I, like, I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that one. Like, I can see it as being natural, obviously, but at the same time, because it did run in their family. But at the same time, I'm like, I truly don't believe in coincidences that are significant and severe kind of a thing. I totally agree. That, that's really hard. And then they flee, to, they flee to Hawaii. They get married days within Tammy, his wife of 20 years, memorial. And posted the pictures and everything. It, it was just horrific to me. Like I, I don't know why that bothered this whole thing bothered me, but that part really bothered me. Like, oh yeah, give zero heart, even if you're not in love with her anymore. Whatever. Twenty years, four. Ki- I think it was four kids, mm-hmm. multiple kids later, and you're getting married while her memorial service is occurring. Yeah, like that's super fucked up. Chad did was absolutely like no, that's not okay. Yeah, and Lori, Lori's ring was bought with Charles' Amazon account before Tammy died. Are you? I forgot about that. Before? Oh, damn. Before Tammy died and Charles was already dead and they used his Amazon account to buy it. Like, I remembered the Amazon account, but I forgot that it was before she died. That's really fucked up. And then they end episode two with her being arrested finally yeah needed to fucking happen right away her courtroom behavior is just so bizarre i think she Mm -hmm. was she was fishing for that she was fishing for not mentally stable enough to stand up for her case oh yeah absolutely like i remember watching that live because it was live streamed here Mm -hmm. on ktvb like me and my mom watched it and the whole time we were just shit talking her so She, she was fishing for that she yeah. didn't want to be able to stand up in court. And the way she did, I even wrote in all caps, the way she did her makeup. It was so purposely. Because you look at her prior to her court, like even her makeup was done in a way, a total like publicity stunt for mm-hmm. sure. Oh yeah, for sure. It wasn't the norm for her at all. Like red lipstick. Mm-mm. It was never. And it wasn't I mean... even applied correctly. It was smeared. She had red lips and a heavy eye. Well, and plus over in jail, you don't actually have access to any of that. Like in normal jail, in prison you do. You can have access to makeup, but you don't have access to makeup in jail whatsoever. That was very bizarre to me. And I I left, um, I'm glad you like picked up on that same thing because I was like, weird, (laughs) weird. And then I'm just cringing as her mom and sister on all the interviews standing up for her. Mm-hmm. So cringe. And I know that they have regrets, but. Yeah, I know. It, it was a hard thing for me to process too, because especially because Lori's mom is actually in this documentary. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, she's talking about her experience, you know, after she has, like, come to the realization that Lori did have involvement. But, yeah, I was cringing hardcore there. And as a mother, though, you're like, shit, I'd probably do the same thing and then be like, goddamn, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, I did that with my dad when, with his crime, <laughs> I thought that he was innocent. But turns out he was not. So it happens all the time. And another thing, though, I've also had with love, my mother-in-law and my mother be like, we love you, but that baby girl is our priority. Like, you are now the parent. She's, you know, now who, and like, with love, and I'm glad that that's how they're at mindset. That's how grandmothers are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know? You know what? Fuck you, where are my fucking grandkids? <laughs> So that was my other thought process. Like, would I be feeling that way if grandkids were missing? I don't know. That's also very true. I mean, yeah. I think if I were on the other side of it, like, as a grandmother, then yeah, I think that I would be feeling the same way. Like, uh, the grandkids are gone. I'm not happy about that. (laughs) Where are they? You are a grown woman. I'm done raised you. Where are my fucking grandkids? Yeah, exactly. And then the search warrant, they got a search warrant for Chad's home. And the, his conversation with Lori, I, I wrote that down as something, the just how calm. And he just kept saying, they're searching, they're searching. And he just sounded so numb. Mm-hmm. I think that he was most definitely trying not to raise any suspicion so then he could get away. Totally. You know what I mean? Because quickly after, he did flee in his mm-hmm. SUV. And he was arrested after the um, the kids were found. Um, and they were found in the pet cemetery. Back to the text message he had sent Tammy. That he had found a raccoon and it's in the pet cemetery. And it was, mm. So fucked up. That, and um, I don't think that I necessarily want to go into detail about like how they were found either. But it's just fucking horrific. Because it's just, to me, I I don't think that they actually, like, really released it. But I think that there has been rumors about how they were found. And I heard it on Dateline. And it was just, yeah, they, oh, um, my heart they broke. End, they ended the documentary saying that they haven't released that to the public yet. Yeah. And um, as soon as we hear it, <laughs> I, my heart's going to break again. I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, Idaho is going for the death penalty for both of them. So I feel like it has to be horrific. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, and I think that one thing that not a lot of people know, but Idaho actually has the death penalty and you cannot claim insanity. Like, you can't claim insanity. So you either get the death penalty or you plead out. And those are your only two options. Probably going to be horrific once yeah. that is released. And not that I was like, I wasn't rooting for her because what she did was fucking horrific. But I was trying to feel for her, like everything she's been through and like psychotic break and things like that. But the moment I heard the phone conversation between her and Colby, like all of that went away for me. And I was like, you are fucking horrible. Yep. Me too. Um, Absolutely. Like, I got chills when, at at least I got (laughs) chills the second time around when I was, like, because I was, I watched it twice while cleaning my daughter's room. That second time, I was like, that is fucked. Completely fucked. 
I mean, I didn't have a lot of empathy for her before then. Like I can understand, you know, I think holistically what she was about. But after that, I was like, "Mm, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was like, she's somebody who's like slipped through the cracks. She needed to be medicated. She is mentally ill. But that, I, I, like, he just like begging, like, mom, talk to me. And just like no empathy towards the way he was feeling whatsoever. You're a horrible person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. And the fact that it's really telling that he's like, well, mom, why can't you like, why can't you see it from my perspective? My brother and sister are dead. And, you know, you should have been spearheading this search. And she's just like, you just don't understand. And I'm like, oh my God. Like she just said the quiet part out loud. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it was that part I had a hard time getting through. It was so, I felt so fucking bad for him. And and another and shortly after, like her reasoning of like why she thought JJ had gone dark and that he was a zombie because he was ripping things off the wall and he's screaming and he's getting on the top of the fridge. It's like, well, he's literally autistic. You murdered the only father he knows. Moved him away from his grandparents. Moved him to a place he had never been to within... Like, what the fuck do you think was going to happen? Yeah, like, I obviously don't have a lot of experience with a person who has autism, but I do know that routine is, like, vital for them. They love routine. They love structure. And if something throws them off which it was for JJ he was picked up and moved and then all of a sudden like these people are coming around yeah totally no the people that I have worked with in the past you know I I dealt with this not that not just that specifically but you know people with certain diagnosis for the majority of my adult life right Uh down to if what they had for breakfast was changed Maybe they got a paycheck and it was off by a dollar. 75 cents. Mm-hmm. My, I'm talking minor, minor things in their daily routine changed. They were out of the brand of Sloppy Joe mix they like, so they had to get a different brand. Things, Just that minor things can send them into such a behavior. I couldn't imagine the changes that JJ was going through. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And my my heart really like breaks for him and he probably wasn't explained in a healthy way what happened to his dad and he probably wasn't given any empathy or like his feelings oh yeah Um, 100% like weren't validated at all and they assumed that the kids were killed with the kids are killed within a month from moving Uh things were just still so fresh like that 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 part was just really horrific to me, and then the lawyers. Here we go, Lori lawyers file that she isn't fit to stand trial, and you could see from the beginning she was fishing for that. Hmm. Um, okay. But like in the state of Idaho, you can't plead insanity for murder. More specifically, you can't 
plead insanity for pretty much anything. What happens in Idaho is that you have to be treated for whatever mental illness or whatever the court deemed you as mentally incompetent. You receive the treatment and then you are put on trial. Yeah, so she's back on trial now. Yeah, yeah. And now she's going to be um, put on trial in January in Ada County. And they they are seeking the death penalty for both of them. And so that'll be an intense thing when that comes up. Oh, yeah, most definitely. (laughs) I kind of wanted to end our conversation about this, the way they ended the, well, the way they ended the, the way they ended the documentary with um, the memorial, it killed me. Um, Yeah. That, that Colby did, but it just wrecked me. I was bawling. I know. I was too. I, I, I felt so bad, but it was really beautiful the way that he memorialized them in a way that they didn't get ever yeah that is why I wanted to end there because I think that he did a beautiful thing with that oh absolutely absolutely well now that you completely what is it you you are no longer fit to sit on her jury so now that you're not able to sit on our jury (laughs) that was a good hyper focus (laughs) yes yes it was yeah, and I'm just sitting here in the next county over being like, haha, bitches, I can talk shit all I want. <laughs> all right. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we are at Chaos and Cuss Words Podcast on, on TikTok and then chaos dot and dot cuss words podcast and guys please be the chaotic good that you want to see in the world from Muhammad Gandhi I'm just kidding he didn't say that don't take me seriously (laughs) bye bye